You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. I'd like to read the follow-up from Tom's message from last week. I'm going to read two, well, three portions of scripture, two longer and one very short. So, beginning at Acts chapter 6, verse 8 to 15. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did many great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freed men, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Acts 7, verse 3. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. And then on to the end of that chapter, chapter Acts 7 and 48 to 60. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by men. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was put into effect through the angels and have not obeyed it. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, Receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. When he had said this, he fell asleep. 
Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his own precious word. I'd like to really just follow up from where Tom left us last week. Remember, Tom's message was on in his service. So this week we're going to say the, the message title is as his sacrifice. So last week it was in his service, this week as his sacrifice. As we move through the book of Acts, we find a tremendous growth taking place in the church. We find in Acts 2 that there are 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. In Acts 4, verse 4, many heard the message and believed, and the number grew to 5,000. By the time you get to Acts 5, 14, it says, more and more men and women believed and were added to their number. When you get to Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing or multiplying. Now, I'm, I never even got my old grade in, in, in arithmetic. So multiplying to me is a lot heavier than just addition. In fact, it must become extremely difficult to keep track of the numbers of people that were actually coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The numbers were multiplied. But during that, the Holy Spirit during all of that process, would pinpoint individuals along the way. I'm glad about that. And there's maybe folk here this morning, that's all right for you, preacher. You don't know my circumstances. I'm just a wee person in my situation. God said in you when you left, when you got out of your bed this morning. Sometimes we can get lost in the numbers. And as we grow as a fellowship and as a church, we have to be careful that we don't lose people as we increase in numbers. Remember Acts 3, there was a man crippled from birth. Peter and John said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up. So there's an individual pinpointed by the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches in Acts um, 3, 13 onwards, and he brings a very pointed word to the people that within earshot of his word. He says, you handed him, Jesus, over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. You disowned the holy and righteous one. You asked that a murderer be released to you. There's nobody can say a murderer like a Scotsman. <laughs> you asked a murderer, Tom, you'll need to practice that one. You asked a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But, and thank God for the buts of scriptures. In verse 15 it says, God raised him from the dead. There was a tremendous call to salvation that took place at Solomon's colonnade. And Peter says, repent, he says, and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out. In Acts 5, Andrew took us through the incident with Ananias and Sapphira, a married couple. Persecution was on the increase, and here we find it taking a really dark and sinister dimension. It was one thing the other time to find that the apostles had been whipped and beaten and then set free and given a stern warning not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. But the whole thing takes on a whole different picture in our passage together today. Paul in his letter to the Romans in chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. 
This is your spiritual act of worship, or in, I think it's the AV says, your reasonable service. Biblical definition of sacrifice is the ritualized slaughter of animals and the processing of their bodies. I find a lot of that in the Old Testament as we read through it. But the Hebrew for sacrifice means come closer or to draw near. The purpose of sacrifices in those days was to gain intimacy with God by bringing him a cherished gift. So in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is encouraging us and saying to offer up the cherished gift of ourselves, of our lives, as a living sacrifice to God. I'd like to look um, in my normal sort of three headings this morning, the first one being the presentation of the sacrifice. Notice Peter's defense. In verse 8 of chapter 6, it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Verse 9 says, Opposition arose, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. 15, they looked intently at Stephen and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. You know, we've sung much about being in the presence of God this morning, haven't we? Remember Moses when he went up the mountain and he came down and the people couldn't stand to look in his face. Oh, Moses, you'll need to put a veil. Oh, we kind of cope with this. But such as when we spend the time before God and spend time in his presence, something changes as we wait upon him. It's not always obvious. I've said this before. But it's amazing that perhaps when you meet a neighbor or a friend or a colleague, then suddenly there's a gospel verse comes out or a word of prophecy or a word that you'd been reading in the Bible that morning. You wonder, what that? what's this all about? And then God brings you into an appointment with somebody and you say, that's just the word I needed to hear. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his sweet will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Notice the power of a transformed life. Jesus could say, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The Greek word for transformed is where we find the word metamorphosis. And the dictionary defines this as a change of form or a change of character. When we come into the presence of God, we cannot leave the same way that we went to start with. Something must change as we come into the presence of a holy God. Three times this word appears in Scripture, Matthew 17, 2, Mark 9, 2, and 2 Corinthians 3, 18. It says, And we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed. There's a change of form, a change of character. We are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So in his presence, the transformation begins to take place. Isn't that lovely this morning? It doesn't matter what our age is, what our class, our creed, when we come into the presence of God, we cannot remain the same. That has been an overriding theme throughout the service this morning. 
And if I do nothing else, I want to re-emphasize what the Lord has already been saying to us. I've been listening to and I would encourage you to do it, but there's a, there's a choir that sings a song. And it's based on Psalm 8. How majestic is your name, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's, it's, it's a tremendous... I, I uh, click on to the Metro Sinners, uh, some sinners Singers, and uh, they're tremendous. I hope there are no sinners now. Scrub that about the podcast, Tom. Um, they're tremendous. They really are. The, the song just, it grips your heart, you know, and takes you to a different place. It's absolutely wonderful. What is man that you care for him? You have crowned him with glory and honor. God's word says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust idols or speak with deceit, he will receive blessing from God and vindication from God his Savior. So are the people, those who will seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, so that the King of glory may come in as we ascend the hill of God, as we spend time in his presence, then the King of glory comes into our hearts and into our lives, and we cannot remain the same. Oh, beloved, can I encourage you this morning to wait in the presence of God, to spend time before him and experience his glory, his presence, and his power, and his matchless grace and mercy, which we need as we come before him. Because remember that we are all sinners and we need his grace to take us through every step of our lives. I remember when I was younger, so much younger than today. (laughs) We went to a youth rally and there was a young guy called Willie there. Leno remember this. And um, some years back, life was difficult for this young man. And he was walking along the street. I think it was Musselboro he was in. And he saw this guy in his car who just happened to be a Christian. And while he's noticing this, this guy is he's smiling, he's, he's radiant. He's just full of joy. So he wanders up to the car. I think he was stuck in a traffic jam. And he chaps his window. He says, excuse me. So he starts to talk to this, this chap that's in his car. And he starts a conversation. Willie at that point described his life like this. I knew my jacket was in a shugly nail. You'll need to practice that in Tom. I knew my jacket was in a shugly nail. (laughs) (laughs) But friends, this morning, what seemed like a chance encounter with a complete stranger sitting in his car radiating the glory and the beauty of salvation in his life, that Willie repented of his sins and received Jesus Christ right there into his heart and life. His Jacob wasn't on a sugar nail after that because God had changed his life. It transformed him. If any man be in Christ, God's word says, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. And all things have become new. Oh, friend, if you don't know Jesus this morning, you don't know what you're missing, you need to turn around from where you are and accept Jesus 
into your life. Oh, the power and glory of a transformed life. It's so attractive. It's so attractive. Get before God, friends, and oh, to be more of that man in my life. Not just to touch places from time to time, but to be constantly in that place within his presence, experiencing his glory. The Pharisees couldn't stand up, so they stirred up the people. So they seized Stephen before the leaders, so they produced liars, and they slandered Jesus of Nazareth. That's the worst of the law, isn't it? I mean, the rest were bad enough, but to actually slander the Lord Jesus Christ. For me, this is almost like a paradoxical situation. I've said to you, the presentation of the sacrifice was paradoxical. I can hardly say that word. It was an enigma, a contradiction in terms. On the one hand, there was the utter chaos of the mob and the religious rulers, and on the other hand, the peace and tranquility of the other. Stephen with the face of an angel. Friend, I don't know what battle you're going through right now. And it's maybe serious, and I don't want to belittle this for one second. But I want to say this, that in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the, the battle that you're experiencing right now, there can be a peace and a tranquility as the Lord Jesus Christ, as you gaze upon Christ as Stephen did, then your life is changed. Even in the midst of the difficulty, I, I'm looking at Corinne up the back there and I'm remembering, you know, we had three kids, Eve and I, and sometimes on a Sunday morning it was chaos, <laughs> trying to get the kids organised. That's no your jumper. That's Laura's, that's Laura's jersey. Get that off and put it on. And it, it would be a battle just to get to the church. But you know, when we came into God's presence, oh, so worth it. To come into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ Jesus knows all about our troubles. He will fight till the day is done. Jesus knows your battles. He knows your struggles. He knows what you're going through each second of every moment of every day. But you know, friends, we can take him with us. We can gaze into his presence. We can experience his blessing. My second point, and I've almost made a mistake here, but Nobody will notice. The second point is the preaching of the sacrifice. In Acts 7.3 it says, Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. The preaching of the sacrifice. I wonder if we would preach, when we preach, if we knew it was our last message, what would we say? I wonder. Spike Milligan, the comedian, had engraved on his gravestone, I told you I was ill. <laughs> that was his last message to the world. But despite all the pressure that Stephen was under, he still preached the gospel. Remember we said this before, when the, the apostles were under pressure and they were getting flogged and all sorts of stuff. You know, they didn't let up for a minute. They were back in the temple courts preaching the gospel just the same. And yet it would have been so easy just to say, guys, let's calm down a wee bit here. Let's just back off for a sec. You know, things are getting a bit hectic here. There was none of that about Stephen. 
Do you notice this, how he sidestepped the high priest's question? The high priest's question was, are these charges true at the start of chapter 7? If you notice that in, that in your Bible, you'll see that they're trying to put him under pressure. Almost in effect saying to Stephen, so what have you got to say for yourself, Stephen, then? But he had nothing to say for himself and everything to say about the gospel. Isn't that right? Isn't that the right place to be this morning? He snubs the charges and charges right in with the gospel. He says this, he takes verse, you'll see it in verse 3, leave your country and move into the country that God is going to show you. Leave your country. I wonder if there's any here this morning that they're trusting in their own goodness. You're in your own country, thank you very much. I don't need God's statement in my life to interrupt things. I'm quite happy with things the way that they are. Leave your country. When we used to do uh, one of the evangelism series, we would use an illustration. And it was to illustrate the seriousness of sin. And we would say that, for for an illustration, we would say, well, if somebody had three sins a day, say you admitted a sin of omission, a sin of commission, and you told a wee porky pie, you know, once in a while or through the day, that would count up to three sins a day. And of course, by this today's standards, if you're only sinning three times a day, you would be a, a walking angel, really, wouldn't you? But three sins a day counts up to over a thousand a year. And if you live as old as Derek, <laughs> so no, we'll no use that. So say you live to 70. Scrub that, Tom. Scrub that off the podcast. <laughs> 70,000 sins in a lifetime. Wow. God's word says if you break one law, we are guilty of breaking all of it. God's word says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul, we keep coming back to Paul. He says, if anyone else thinks he's got reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I've got more. I've been circumcised in the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. And we see him here in this passage. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. What a pedigree this man had. But, he says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Note the words, I now. There has come a transformation. There has come a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of will in the life of this Saul of Tarsus. He has transferred his trust from all the things that he thought previously were so vital and so important. He would leave that country and go to the land that God would show him. Isn't that tremendous? God can step into your life and mine, whatever we are trusting in this morning. You're maybe saying, I'm as good as the next person. But you know, God's word says all the righteousness is as filthy rags. It's only Christ that can take us out of our sin and bring us into his kingdom, into his, his kingdom and into our lives. Go to the land I'm going to show you. 
I remember Pastor Tom Stables, a local businessman here in Bowness, was called to full-time service. And I remember he, he was describing the wages of a pastor. <laughs> and he said, well, not really as good as what he had when he was a businessman, obviously. But he said, the retirement plan is out of this world. <laughs> you know, friend, you may not have all the, the things, material wealth that this world affords, but when you have Christ in your life, the retirement plan is out of this world. Come out of that land and come in, God says, and come into land that I'll show you. Can I appeal to you if you don't know Jesus this morning? Come out of that land. Come out of that land where you're trusting in your own righteousness, you're trusting in yourself, and come to Christ. He says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Who could refuse that? You'd be crazy not to accept Jesus. I'm not calling anybody that doesn't know Christ crazy this morning, but that's where I was when I was young. I didn't know Jesus. And yet through a workmate and his faithful testimony, I came to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. Jesus said in my father's house, there are many mansions. I go there to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. Friends, that's what makes it for me. Jesus is there. That's enough. A lot of folk get bogged in. What's heaven going to be like for me? It's not what it's like. It's who is there that makes all the difference. Leave your country and your people, says God, and go to the land that I'll show you. The last one I'm suggesting is the prophecy or proclamation of the sacrifice. Prophecy, we define that as a message that is claimed to have been communicated by a deity, in this case, the Holy Spirit. Such will involve inspiration, interpretation, or revelation of divine will concerning the prophet's social world and events to come. Notice this, that when God speaks, we have had tremendous wealth of prophetic word this morning, haven't we? When God has opened his heart up and spoken into our lives. A word from God will often pierce and cut. Old Testament prophets were not known too much for their diplomacy. They spoke boldly and bluntly into the issues around them. Frankly, it was not the best first choice of career. Moses was once threatened with stoning by the people. Elijah had Jezebel after his blood. Isaiah is said to have been put into a hollow tree and sawn asunder in the days of Manasseh. Now, I thought I'd seen this before, but in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37, under the heroes of the faith, you'll find that there's a person there described. It says, some were sawn asunder. <coughs> and that was, for me, that was the prophet Isaiah. <coughs> Jeremiah was told by God not to marry because no woman ought to share the sufferings such as his. He was abducted by apostate Jews to Egypt and stoned to death. Would any of you like to be a prophet here this morning? <laughs> <laughs> so while the persecutors were lining up falsely to uh, accuse Stephen, he lets loose with a few himself. He quotes a couple of prophecies in that a few verses in chapter 7. 
Then out of this angel-faced messenger, he says these words. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you've betrayed and murdered him. You who had received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. They had murdered the just one. They had murdered the righteous one. Stephen called out the crime of Calvary exactly what it was, murder. When they heard this, they were furious. Verse 54 of chapter 7. They gnashed their teeth at him. Do you know what? I've seen this once. When I was a young Christian, I was in the workshop and I was sharing my faith with somebody and something came over them that wasn't very nice. And they started to gnash their teeth as soon as I started to mention the lovely name of Jesus. And I realized how much venom and hatred the wicked one has against our wonderful, glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Picture that scene, yelling, screaming mob, waving fists, and yet it says they were cut through. All restraint, reason had gone, and like a pack of dogs, they swarmed around God's servant. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. Isn't that precious this morning? Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Is it possible to be in such a a, a pressurized position and yet be so full of the Holy Ghost that God is able to penetrate our circumstances and bring us right through till we see the very face and the glory of God itself. Look, he says, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They covered their ears. They yelled at the top of their voices. I've got a neighbor up there that likes to put his music off loud in his car. Karine, you'll probably hear him louder than me. He's right next to you. And he sits in his car and he does his stuff on his phone and you're boom, 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 boom. And you think, my goodness, it's a wonder he can even think. Mind you, I was just as bad when I was young. That's why I'm half deaf today, I think. They yelled at the top of their voices. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man, Saul. I sometimes wonder now when I think in Romans 12, 1, when Paul was writing his letter, did he ever hearken back to the, when he was a young man full of nonsense, full of great ideas? We've all been there. As he stood in, it was almost like the umpire in a cricket game, watching and giving his approval as the stones rained down on Stephen. And while this was all going on, Stephen had the time to pray. Even in the midst of that difficulty, whatever your difficulty this morning, whatever battle you're facing, take time to pray. Take time to turn away from the tumult, from the noise, from the nonsense, 
and just seek God's face. He says, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Paul would never forget Stephen's words. Death for a Christian involved more than a departure of a soul to Abraham's bosom. Death for the Christian meant to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Isn't that wonderful this morning? Stephen fell asleep. Stephen fell asleep. And they're waiting for the call. They're waiting for the trumpet sound. They're waiting for the return of Jesus when his feet shall stand again and mount all of it. What is it God's word? This same Jesus will so come in like manner as you have seen him go. Oh, encourage each other, beloved, with these words. He's coming back again. He's coming back. And those who are asleep in Christ, he will take to be with him. And so will they ever be with the Lord. So against this horrific, stunning violence, there is this scene of peace. Shining, angelic face, focused on Jesus, the standing Jesus, you notice, ready to welcome his servant home. One more fatal stone later, and Stephen was asleep. Dead? No. Very much alive in the land he had just preached on. Leave the land you've been in, God says, and come into the land that God shows you. So finishing up here this morning, as a sacrifice, friends, God calls us this morning to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. The Holy Spirit pinpoints lives along the way. You're not just a a small person in a big crowd. God knows your circumstances. He knows your battles. He knows your difficulties. And he is there for you. And despite the challenges of life and the opposition we may face, it is possible to live in the power and anointing of above the, the storms of life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Choose to come closer, to draw near. Bring him your cherished gift, i.e. yourself. His presence and his glory transforms us, changes our character. How precious are these moments we spend in his presence. I'm going to finish reading uh, some words from one of the hill songs. We haven't sung this one for a wee while. But it says, You make your face to shine on me, and my soul knows very well. You lift me up, I'm cleansed and free, and that my soul knows very well. Joy and strength each day I'll find, and that my soul knows very well. Forgiveness, hope, I know is mine, and that my soul knows very well. When mountains fall, I'll stand by the power of your hand, and in your heart of hearts I'll dwell, that my soul knows very well. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, thank you, God, that you meet us at the point of our need, that you're able to pinpoint individuals along the road, that, God, you're able to, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, bring your focus, your touch, your love, your mercy, your grace into lives that are troubled, lives that are knowing opposition, 
lives that are in the battlefield, Lord. And you know everyone here who has gone through various different battles. Lord, it could be health, it could be family issues, it could be career issues. Lord, you know everything about us. You've told us that this morning, Father. And so I just pray the release of your Holy Spirit, your presence, Lord, that we might be transformed, that we might be changed, Lord, that our characters might be renewed. God, that we would be those who bask in your presence, who bask in your glory. And Lord, like Stephen, we see the risen Christ. Lord, if there be any here this morning, I pray, you'll give grace, Lord, to come for prayer. Lord, we want to stand beside those who in particular are feeling the heat of the battle. We want to stand beside those who need to come out of the country of depending on themselves and come into the land of trusting Christ. So God, I pray that any be here this morning that you will speak very deeply into their hearts and bring us into the land that you have for us. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen.